What is up, everybody? Welcome to We Lift Big. I am your host, Bria Gabor, personal trainer, video podcast personality, and award-winning performer. My mission is to educate, entertain, and enact a stronger, happier you. Because when we put in the work to achieve habits for lifelong health and self-love, we open ourselves to the amazing opportunities that come with a life well-lived. New content coming out weekly, so I need you to get up, fasten your shoes, and lift big. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of We Lift Big. Thank you so much for joining me on this beautiful Wednesday morning or whatever morning, day, evening that you may be tuning into this podcast. I am so happy. I am stoked that you are here listening or watching if you can see me right now. Hello. This is also going to be the last week that I don't have my microphone set up. Hopefully um, the fires up in Northern California have been extinguished in a lot of ways, um, at least the ones that are close to me. And so thank you so much to first responders and everyone who has been facing the fires head on and just for this community, for the support and um, hopefully the fires continue to get extinguished all the way and so all of us can get back to our lives for the most part. (laughs) And um, next week I should be able to have all my microphone equipment set up. I just haven't gotten to it yet. I've gotten parts of my house together, but other parts are still sitting in my trunk just in case of emergency. And so uh, if you have been uh, missing the uh, slightly better audio quality. Not to worry. Next week should be the week that I get all of that back up and running. And until that day comes, we have this beautiful small microphone, 15 bucks off of Amazon. It has served me so freaking well. When I first started this podcast, I used to record it using like my corded Apple earphones on my way to work. And the audio, audio was terrible. If you want to go back to my first podcast, first few podcasts ever, oh my god, the sound quality was not what it is now. And so I am so dearly grateful. (laughs) So thankful that I've updated. Anyways, uh, long story short, let's dive into some fitness questions. And so I've got two questions on the docket today, and then we are going to dive into the main part of our topic. I'll call it the motivational um, part of this podcast. So let's dive in. Question number one, what are my recommendations for daily movement? Ooh, baby, here's the thing. I want to go a step beyond steps. You see what I did there with the starting, starting on a roll off with the bad puns. (laughs) But I do want to talk about movement in general. There's a way that I, there's a reason that I framed this question instead of saying, what, how many steps should I get in the day? What are the recommended amount of steps? I wanted to address movement in 
particular because it is very important that we move our bodies throughout the day. And even if you are someone who has a daily exercise routine, that alone, based on the research, is not enough. So to bring in the research, according to an ACE article, physical activity is now the fourth leading factor, risk factor, for global mortality. And so regular physical activity, I should say regular inactivity increases anxiety, increases depression, increases stiffness and pain in the body. And obviously the flip side of that, if we are getting regular movement throughout our day, you're going to have a better mood, less anxiety, less depressive swings. Another article published by ACE mentions that, again, an hour of daily activity is not enough. When it comes down to healthy movement, yes, you want to have some sort of fitness exercise routine, but you also need to be moving your body more throughout the day because you can have that one to two hours of physical activity, but then if you're still sitting for the nine, ten hours, that is the average for um, people in the U.S. to be sitting per day, like that is so much time that you are not moving your body, that your body is adapting to lack of movement. And that is such a horrible thing for longevity. If we want to live these long, beautiful lives, we have to be moving. And so how much movement is recommended? So I guess my my answer for this, in an ideal world, you want to be moving about 5 to 10 minutes for every hour to 2 hours of inactivity. And it may sound like a lot of movement. And I have been there sometimes when you're stuck in the thick of something. It can be hard to get up out of your chair. Like definitely when I'm writing these podcasts, I will sometimes sit for 2, 3, 4 hours or when I'm re- editing the recording two, three, four hours of just sitting here. Okay. I need to get this done. I'm so close. I just want to get this over with. And it's like, that's so much time where I'm sitting in one place and like my feet are falling asleep and you know, I need to get moving just as much as everyone else. And so, uh, one of the best ways that I have found to combat if you, for whatever reason, just the five to 10 minutes of movement every one to two hours is just not something that really works with your schedule. Getting at least two 15 minute walks in your day, 15, 30 minutes. Obviously, if you can go a little bit longer, the better. And say you're working that general nine to five schedule, I encourage you to take one walk sometime. And and even if you're not working any sort of typical schedule, scheduling one walk in the mid morning and a second walk in the midday, in addition to your physical activity, whether it's strength training, whether you're hardcore Pilates, yoga, whatever, whatever you practice, (laughs) whatever awesome exercise you practice in your day, also get your walks in. (laughs) And it does make a huge difference. Ways that I also have spoken about in the podcast before that I get a lot of movement in or I say a lot, but a little bit, a little bit of movement in is by having a morning routine in which I do about 10 minutes of yoga. And this is actually also something that I want to eventually adopt into my evening routine as my evening routine develops. And I think I'm actually going to talk a little bit about this more in a moment, but scheduling again, 
15, 20, 30 minute walk sometime in the mid morning, sometime in the mid afternoon is just a way to take a break from work, take a break from whatever you're doing, allow yourself to be with yourself and um, reducing stress, reducing anxiety, burning some extra calories, all of that good stuff, which is what we want. Um, and it can even just be a walk after dinner. And so say that your day has been absolutely cram packed. Um, it's actually, there's a lot of benefits to walking post meal. Think of it as a digestive massage for your stomach is what I will say. So, and here's the thing, scientific theory, objects in motion tend to stay in motion. And so once you adopt a daily walk, it may feel like a lot right now, but once you adopt it and you do it and you do it and you do it as consistently as you can, and we've talked about this before, you get to that point where that doing that thing that may feel uncomfortable now becomes your new norm and it's weird to not do that thing. And so those one to two, three walks a day in your workday are going to feel inconvenient or weird or out of the ordinary at first. But as you start to really schedule your day and cater to those things that you know are going to benefit your body and mind, then you get to a point where that's your new normal and not doing those things, that starts to feel weird. And that's when you know you've established a good habit. (laughs) Number two, how do I wind down for bed? Aha, here we go. So <laughs> to be totally honest, I am still in the process of hashing out a solid bedtime routine. I've gotten my mornings pretty much on lock at this point, but evenings are just a little bit more tricky. At least that's what I tell myself because that is when willpower is usually at its most drained state. And so getting myself to initiate some sort of routine in the evening has been a bit of an effort. So usually after I get home, I shower. Uh, Usually I'm done eating for the day by the time I get home. Nowadays, I am pretty much finished eating around 5 or 6 p.m. at night, and I tend to get home around 6 or 7. But if I do get home a little bit earlier, I'll make myself dinner. I'll listen to an audiobook or a podcast, and uh, usually... If I'm in the mood for something educational, then I will listen to that. Otherwise, have some guilty pleasures, you know, something that's going to make me laugh. I shower, prep my food and clothes and everything for the next day, and then I lay down. And one thing I will say I do consistently at night is I keep a short and sweet gratitude journal where I write down one or a few things that happened that day or experiences I had that I am thankful for. And this can be absolutely anything. Um, My coffee tasted extra bomb this morning. I had an awesome conversation with someone and I try to keep it tangible and physical just because those tend to be more specific. I think the more that we can notice tangible things throughout our day that are physically happening in the moment that we can be grateful for, it just feels more real. And so again, I'm working towards having a more solid bedtime routine. And what I would really love to do is to have a nighttime yoga or flexibility routine that I do. And so that way I'm doing one in the morning, one at night. I'm just getting some extra mobility, flexibility in because it is one of the things that I lack in my training the most. Also, as the air starts to get a little more clear, 
pardon me, <laughs> as the air starts to get a little more clear, uh, spending a little bit more time outside again, like I was going on evening walks. And I don't know if this is just me, but when I go on a walk in my neighborhood and I don't mean to sound mean, but I don't always want to initiate conversations with my neighbors. And with that being said, I just want to say, if you are my neighbor, if you know where I live, and I want you to know that I think that you are incredibly kind and you are awesome. And I think it's just because I spend a lot of time in my day talking to people that usually by the end of the day, I just kind of want to be alone with my thoughts or my audiobook. And I always feel so guilty because my neighbors are so friendly and I'll be walking, doing my thing. I'll have my headphones in and everyone just wants to start a conversation. And I, I will initiate, like, of course I will initiate, like, how are you? Like, awesome. Or I'm so sorry, whatever. But in my head, I'm just like, I don't want to, I don't want to initiate this conversation right now. Like I've actually like walked across the street just to avoid having a conversation with someone. I feel so bad. Like that's, I feel like that's so funny to say. And I don't mean to seem standoffish or anything. Like I love my neighbors. They are again, super, super friendly. So neighbors, if you are listening to this, like I love and respect y'all. And I'm sorry if I ever seem standoffish, but I just need my me time. <laughs> and, um, usually that's walking. My me time is me walking around the block. And, um, I just, I needed to get that out there. I, f I feel so bad about it sometimes. <laughs> and maybe that's something, you know, I need to work on is as I go on my walks, like being okay with, running into someone, having a short conversation with them and not just being so dove into my words all the time. That is it for today's question. And again, thank you for sending me questions, family, friends, whoever you are. And I love the feedback. I love when people say, hey, like, can you talk about this? Can you talk about ABC? And I'm like, yes, because otherwise I am searching for topics. And sometimes I know what I want to talk about. And sometimes I'm really struggling to figure out what I want to talk about. And so that constant feedback is just incredible. And again, because you listen, I want to cater to you and what you want to hear and what is going to make your day a little bit brighter. And so thank you all for the feedback. And today's topic, today's motivation, today's thought-provoking subject is fear setting. So I recently dove into a TED Talk by Tim Ferriss where he explained the concept of stoicism, which to break down stoicism really quick, uh, my understanding, uh, stoicism is a school of thought that traces back to ancient Greece and teaches that virtue is based on knowledge and the practice of indifference to circumstances of both fortune and pain. So basically, my understanding in the research I've done is that stoicism is about not getting too attached to joys or pains in life, but instead seeing them as they are a part of life in the moment, experiencing them as a part of life in the moment, and then allowing them to pass. And I could do a whole podcast on this concept. I feel it like wanting to jump out of my mouth right now, but I'm going to save it for another day. Maybe next week. We'll, we'll see. 
Uh, what I really want to focus on today is a practice that Ferris uh, w- developed himself and was presenting in the TED that I was watching called Fear Setting. Uh, F-E-A-R, Fear Setting. Uh, quite like goal setting, it lays out a series of choices and outcomes, but the focus of the layout is to essentially weigh the cost of action versus inaction which is huge. So why is this so powerful? Well, first, most things on paper are not as daunting as they are in our heads. Sometimes they are, but there is something about writing your feelings and thoughts down that makes them more tangible. And often we are better able to see our thoughts and feelings as they are, simply thoughts and feelings, and not as they may appear to be in our head. And as Ferris hones in on, fear is the greatest threat of inaction. And so by addressing our fears, we can break our inaction. We can stop being inactive because we are able to recognize that inaction will often cost us more in the long run. And this could be, this could not be further from the truth inaction and fear are some of the greatest detriments to joy in life as I have really come to understand it. And so to break down fear setting, I'm going to include all of the links, all of the research that I tapped into with the fitness questions and as well as the links to fear setting, the TED talk that I listened to, all of that's going to be linked in the um, description of the podcast below. And so please check all this information out, um, especially if you feel like it'll really benefit your life, which I really think it will, which is why I am talking about it. Fear setting is broken down into three pages, three parts. And so you are going to make three lists, 10 to 20 entries each, and you want to be as specific and as tangible as you can. And what you are going to do is in the first column, you are going to define what are the worst things that could happen. So let's say we are working towards a fitness goal. This as a fitness professional and this being a fitness and health motivation podcast, say you are, again, working on a fitness goal. What are the worst things that could happen while you are working towards this goal? In the second, and again, define that 10 to 20 things, like get detailed. In the second column, how do I prevent each of these things from happening? And so looking at your list of these are all the things that could go wrong or I could fail at on my fitness journey. How do you prevent or negate or lessen the risk of those things happening. And then in the third column, if the worst happens, how do I fix it? And so based on all of the fears and failures that you wrote down in the third column, if these things do happen, how can I make it better? That's page one. And so page two, I want you to make a list of the possible benefits of if you are successful or partially successful. And so page two is all about, if I attempt this, what could happen? If I am a little bit successful at this, what, what could happen? If I, if I make it, if I am completely successful, like what will happen? 
And page three is about listing the costs of inaction. And so in other words, if I avoid doing this thing because of all the failures that I wrote out in page one, like if I don't do, if I do not work towards my fitness goal, if I give up or whatever that is, um, give yourself another three columns. What is going, what is my life going to look like in the next six months? If I don't do this thing, What is my life going to look like in one year if I don't do this thing? What is my life going to look like in three years if I don't do this thing? And this may be, as Ferris states, one of the most powerful pages in the three-page breakdown because this is often where we find out and again discover that the cost of inaction is usually greater than the cost of action. And so if you try something and you fail, that is going to cost you less in the long run than if you don't do anything at all. Again, going back to fitness, you're trying to lose 50 pounds. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. It's about, okay, how do I limit these things from happening? And if these things do happen, how do I make it better? So when you think about all the things that could go wrong on this 50 pound loss weight journey, yes, there's a lot that could go wrong, but is that really, is that too great to take any action at all? What what am I trying to say here? Like if you, what happens if you stay 50, these extra 50 pounds? Well, your quality of life is going to be affected. How is it going to be affected in the next six months? in the next year, in the next three years, if you don't start any sort of activity, like, are you going to gain more weight? Is that 50 pound weight loss goal going to become a hundred pound weight loss goal? Like these are all things that we need to consider. And again, when it comes down to fear and inaction, these are thieves of joy. And cause we we're all afraid of things. We are all afraid of things. <laughs> and this is a tool that you can use to break down and analyze your fears. And again, things on paper don't tend to be as scary as they are in your head. And even if they are, remember, we act with fear. We have to act with fear. There is no, we are never not going to be afraid. Fear is a part of life. If we learn to act with fear, with bravery, then life is incredible. Incredible things can happen when you take action, when you act with fear. And um, this is a way to make your fears more tangible and a way to not let them influence how you live your life. And with that being said, thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I love you all do all this. I'm going to be doing all this throughout the week. I'm so excited to break down some of my fears (laughs) and act towards some of my goals. Anyhow, I dearly love and cherish you all. And I will talk to you next week. Peace.